This could be bad for Richard Allen, the alleged Delphi killer. Meet one of the biggest con men in the history of the United States. Police are really looking for this car in the Idaho slains. And a little story to bring you a little Christmas cheer. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Welcome. Now, you know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't. Like if you do. Hit that little bell so you receive notifications. And remember to leave me a comment below about what we discuss today. Now, you may have noticed, hey, Scott, where were you yesterday? No show, no live, no Patreon show. Yeah, things just did not quite turn out as they had were planned to yesterday and uh, had to travel and we didn't get back to the hotel doing what we had to do till almost 8 p.m. And by that point, it was just too late. So my apologies, I will make it up to you, all of our subscribers, our Patreons, I will make it up to you somehow. All right, you know the drill as well. We have to support the people that support us. So go to crimetalksearch.com, sign up for a background subscription service so that you can do a background search on individuals that may be coming into your life. Do you want to know more about them? You know, do they have a criminal history? Are they on a public registry of some type? Oh, are they still married? You know, maybe you met them on a dating app, stuff like that things that you need to know and you need to know quickly. And so when you sign up for that background subscription service, literally while you wait, that background search is done, the report will be emailed to you and you can do with it what you want. And the beautiful thing is you can do a background search on as many people as you want. One person, a thousand people, it's up to you and you can cancel that subscription at any time. But once you have it, you're gonna wanna keep it because, you know, things come up. What do you know about those new kids, parents that are hanging out with your kid? All those things you want to know. Go to crimetalksearch.com, sign up for that background subscription. All right, let's go ahead and open the docket for December 14th, 2022. Let's go ahead and talk about Richard Allen and the Delphi murders. Well, there's information coming out that the murdered Delphi teenagers, Liberty German and Abigail Williams, were victims of a botched kidnapping plot hatched by members of a local child ring. Wasn't in the affidavit, so we're going to take this with a little bit of grain of salt. But like I said, there's reports come uh, just two weeks after the uh, affidavit had been released and was redacted, very limited, uh, that ultimately resulted in the arrest of Richard Allen. And he's obviously been charged with two counts of murder for the murders that allegedly took place five years ago uh, regarding uh, Libby and Abby, where the bodies were found in, the, uh, in Delphi, Indiana, back on February 13th of 2017. So these reports that came out are information's coming about that the reason why the police were digging in Mr. Allen's backyard is because they were digging up the alleged family cat. And they were looking, the authorities were looking for hair that may prove to be a match for samples found on one of the victims, allegedly. Now, the Carroll County prosecutor, Nicholas McClellan, has openly stated that he believes Allen is not the only actor involved in this case. 
And while Allen has not been charged with kidnapping, the prosecutors have alleged he attempted a kidnapping. Well, apparently now sources report to be close to the investigation have claimed that Mr. Allen was acting with at least two other men and was involved in this child sex ring. Now, as you may recall, Keegan Klein of Peru, Indiana, who's currently awaiting trial on uh, several charges of possessing images of children, was cooperating with the state police and prosecutors, obviously in an attempt to reduce his own charges and make his own situation better. Now, these sources say that the girls met Keegan Klein online and he arranged to meet them near the bridge that day, but didn't go. Instead, he set them up to be kidnapped for this child ring. Now, during one of the several police interviews, uh, Keegan Klein admitted to soliciting underage girls for pictures uh, by catfishing them, obviously posing as a teenage girl by the name of Emily Ann or a hunky model actor by the name of Anthony Schatz. It was apparently the name Anthony Schatz that he communicated with Libby German. Now, Schatz was one of the last people to communicate with the girls before they took their last walk on the Delphi Monin High Bridge Trail. Now, police interrogating Klein told him that they did not believe that he committed the murders, but was protecting the identity of whomever, in fact, did commit the murders. Well, now this alleged source has revealed that Klein has cut a deal with the prosecutors. And as you may recall, the search warrant for Allen's home and property were carried out based upon Keegan's alleged information. The Indiana State Police Carroll County spokesperson, a guy by the name of Sergeant Jeremy Pierce, would neither confirm nor deny any of these details that were asked of him. Law enforcement has not released any of those details, anything beyond what is in the probable cause statement. Now, this source claims that Klein, from whose device police retrieved a slew of inappropriate photographs, knows Allen and that the men met when both lived in Peru, Indiana, roughly 40 miles northwest of Delphi, Indiana. The source is also claiming that both men knew Ron Logan, who police first pegged as a suspect in the killings after the girl's bodies were found on his property some 1,400 feet from his home. And an FBI search warrant served on Logan's home and property dated March 17th of 2017 revealed that on February 14th, the day after the killings, Mr. Logan asked a relative to provide him with a false alibi. Now, Logan had told a cousin to say that a friend had picked him up and taken him to a fish store between 2 and 2.30 p.m. and that he didn't return home until about 5.30 p.m. The last time the girls were known to be alive was about 2.13 p.m. when German made a brief cell phone recording of the now infamous bridge guy approaching and the words allegedly saying, guys, down the hill. Now, Logan's alibi was shown to be a lie. And text messages retrieved from his phone showed that he was out of his house and in the vicinity of the murders on the evening of February 13th. Now, the FBI uh, affidavit that was released noted that Logan asked his relatives to lie for him the following morning before the crimes were even discovered. Logan died at the age of 84 on January 24th of 2022 and was never named as an official suspect. But these sources are now claiming that Logan, who had a history of violence against women, 
was also now involved. According to this source, investigators believed that the plan had been for Alan to kidnap the girls and bring them to Logan's home, where he and allegedly Klein would then do inappropriate things with them. The girls were apparently supposed to be kidnapped for the sex ring, but something went wrong and they were knifed and sexually assaulted and almost decapitated, according to this source. Logan and Klein apparently never met the girls. Police had been pretty tight-lipped about the girls' cause of death, saying only that there was a lot of blood at the scene. Now, the murder weapon was a knife, apparently, and that both girls bled out. This source has also revealed that the girls were killed near the river, information that has since been confirmed, but then moved and posed naked under a tree. While the FBI search warrant served on Logan's home also included law enforcement belief that the killer may have taken souvenirs. This source allegedly states that the souvenir was underwear and a cell phone that were taken from the scene. Now, the released probable cause affidavit also reveals that one of the girls could be heard saying the word gun. And according to this source, the killer was wearing a gun in his waistband. We've noted and we've discussed this, that a Sig Sauer model P226, as well as several knives were retrieved from Alan's home. In fact, Alan's wife, Kathy, confirmed that the weapons that were retrieved were in fact his. Now, forensic testing has been done of the unspent round found near the girl's bodies, and it showed that it had been cycled through Alan's gun, according to the affidavit. We've done videos about the reliability of that, but take it for what it's worth. Now, according to the probable cause affidavit, even though the bullet had never been fired, there were apparently significant signs and unique enough to say that it was in Allen's weapon. Now, the affidavit also states between October 14th of 2022 and October 19th of 2022, the Indiana State Police Laboratory performed an analysis of the Sig Sauer P226. The laboratory performed a physical examination and the classification of the firearm function test barrel and overall length measurement test firing ammunition component characterizations, microscopic comparison, and the NIBIN, the National Integrated Ballistic Information Network. The laboratory determined that the unspent round within two feet of the victim's two bodies had been cycled through Mr. Richard M. Allen's Sig Sauer Model P226. Although the affidavit also states that it is very subjective when it comes to this type of analysis. And when asked about the firearm and the round uh, by investigators to Mr. Allen, he could not explain how a bullet got from his gun would have been there. He denied ever having been on the property or having ever lent his gun to anyone. Now, Mr. Allen has obviously denied the allegations and any involvement whatsoever in the killing of Libby and Abby, though he admitted to police that he was at the trail on the day that the girls went missing. And additionally, there were several youngsters uh, that had seen him, allegedly, um, near where the murders had taken place. Now, his lawyers say that he's simply the wrong guy and they've dismissed the probable cause affidavit as flimsy, as have I. And I say that because, you know, the source that's coming out with this information isn't the police. And my experience is normally the police put all the good information in the affidavit. And if there's bad information like, ooh, we got it wrong, we accused somebody else before, that also has to go in the affidavit. That goes directly to probable cause. 
And like I said, the defense also says none of the case was filmsy, but they refer to the unspent bullet as the magic bullet and that uh, the science involved in making the magic bullet was junk science. And Mr. Allen's attorneys have filed for a change of venue, which would more than likely, uh, in fact, be granted given the high likelihood of all the uh, publicity. It'd be unlikely that they'd be able to obtain a jury pool um, in the county in which the case is currently charged. It more than likely will not take place in Carroll County. Now, there's also a motion for a bond hearing on February 17th, and a trial date is set for March 20th of 2023. Let's have a show of hands who thinks that it'll actually go to trial on March 20th of 2023. For the record, my hand did not go up. I think I saw a couple of them, but not many, so I wouldn't count on it. Uh, given the fact that the court just recently approved the defense request for expert funds so that they can retain experts, my guess is it's going to take a little longer to be prepared and they're not going to be ready by March 20th. But hey, stranger things have happened. We'll let you know. We'll see if this source of this information is correct. If it is in fact correct, it could be bad. And we'll just have to wait and see if old Mr. Keegan Klein is endorsed as a witness for the prosecution. Next on the docket, you want to meet one of the biggest con men ever? In the United States, that's right. And one of the biggest cons was run by a bunch of complete amateurs. You've probably heard about him, Sam Bankman Freed. Well, he's been denied bail and he is going to apparently fight extradition to the United States um, from the Bahamas. And he's been charged as one of the biggest financial frauds in American history. Now, Mr. Bankman Freed is accused of defrauding investors. Oh, out of a paltry $1.8 billion by convincing them his trading platform FTX was safe to use. He was uh, holding up there in the Bahamas for weeks, uh, but he was denied bail uh, one day after appearing in court. The authorities claim that Mr. Bankman Freed has hidden $300 million in a Brazilian fund uh, going back as far as September, which was obviously before the collapse of his crypto trading platform as a means of setting himself up for an escape uh, when the inevitable was happening. Poor timing on his part. That's right, Mr. Old Sam Bankman-Fried, also known as SBF. Um, he told the magistrate, please don't send me to jail uh, because if he goes to jail, he won't be able to eat because he's a vegan Oh, and he's depressed. Well, you know who's also depressed? The people that lost $1.8 billion. Needless to say, the, his attorney's request uh, for bail to be set at $250,000 was uh, denied. The court denied him bail, remanding him into custody until February 8th, and he'll get to spend his time in detention at the Fox Hill Detention Facility, the uh, only prison in the Bahamas which is known for its overcrowded conditions and its extremely unsanitary conditions. So Mr. Bankman Freed, who you know doesn't look like he's worked a, a tough day of work in his life, i.e. physical labor of any kind, is not going to fare very well. And somehow I think by the time that next court date rolls around, 
he may think that a United States prison is much more comfortable than what he's finding in the Bahamas. Now, Mr. Bankman Freed faces up to 155 years in prison on eight money laundering and fraud counts, and prosecutors are preparing to charge some of his friends. Prosecutors say he used the uh, FTX platform as a personal piggy bank to fund a lavish lifestyle and make political donations. Now, during Tuesday's proceedings, um, the Stanford law professor's mother, Barbara, laughed when prosecutors referred to him as a fugitive. I wonder if she's laughing now. I doubt it. Mr. Freed maintains that he did nothing wrong. And in fact, he was going to go tell Congress the following day that he could repay all of the people who have lost money tomorrow if his assets were simply unfrozen. But they've been frozen because this company had to file for bankruptcy. And the new CEO who's overseen big bankruptcies and fraud cases, like the guy that same guy that's doing FTX, was the same kind, was the same guy that handled the Enron wrap up where it was also a bunch of fraud and these guys at ftx are a bunch of complete amateurs and if you heard this guy talk part of me says if you invested money with this guy if you put money in his account you kind of deserve it i wouldn't trust this guy as far as i could throw him and he said you know when he was at one time allegedly worth 26 billion dollars that he was going to give it all away to all the people of the world Really? Really? Then why didn't he just do it then? No, because he didn't have it. He's a fraud. He's a typical con man. And what do typical con men always want and need? More time. Oh, if I just had enough time, I could fix it. I could give all their money back. It'll all be okay. No, it doesn't matter in fraud. Okay? Just It's like if you steal a car. If you didn't have permission to take the car... It's theft. It doesn't matter whether you gassed it up and washed it on its return. You still stole it. It's theft. And the fraud doesn't go away just because you think you can pay restitution. You got to pay the piper and then you got to pay the restitution, which we all know this guy will never be able to pay back. He's never going to be able to touch a security again. Now, Mr. Bankman Freed is insisting on having an extradition hearing, presumably to fight extradition. Apparently, his attorneys haven't really explained to him that the extradition is just simply saying that you're admitting that you're the guy, not that you're guilty, just that you're the guy in the indictment. That's it. So once his attorneys explain with that and he gets, you know, uncomfortable in that Bahamian prison, he may actually want to go to the United States, as I noted before. Now, his attorneys are saying that they're going to review the charges and considering all of his legal options. Now, there's also an SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, complaint and a criminal indictment. And uh, they tell a very different story. Uh, They describe how Mr. Bankman Freed gave his own company, Almeda, an unlimited line of credit on the FTX exchange. So basically, people put their money into this FTX exchange thinking that they were either going to get this crypto or they were going to basically have their money held there like an exchange. And then without telling everybody what he was doing, 
he let his girlfriend, who is in charge of this Almeda hedge fund, will basically make a bunch of bad trades and lose the money and, oh, fund his extravagant lifestyle and political donations. The problem was he couldn't do it. And so when there was basically a run on the FTX bank, guess what? There wasn't any money. And they knew they were going down and the people that looked at the book said, I'm out and everybody followed. They didn't have the money. And so that's why things spiraled out and the fraud has come hither. And yes, like I said, he is a con man through and through. Just a little more time. I did nothing wrong. You all just don't understand. It's all okay. I can make this all good. Just need a little time. Mr. Bankman Freed had at least 10 friends and their uh, partners who were living with them in the Bahamas, some of whom are said to have used a signal chat actually titled Wire Fraud a week before his surprise arrest in the Bahamas at the behest of the New York prosecutors. Mr. Bankman's Freed's ex-girlfriend and former CEO was spotted in New York while she was stepping out for a cup of coffee. Now, Caroline Ellison, another person, if anyone spent any time listening to her, would only follow her into an investment trade out of, I don't know, simple curiosity, but I wouldn't expect to get my money back. Well, like I said, she's been out and about and um, probably is looking at getting charged herself. Apparently, she has um, retained counsel and is expecting to be indicted. And she should because she was basically in charge of running the money out of the bank. Ellison was the CEO of Ameta, the crypto investment firm owned by Bankman Freed. The prosecutors say was used to funnel billions of dollars through FTX as a personal piggy bank for the now disgraced Bankman Freed. Now, she is named in the charging documents multiple times, along with other members of the SBF millennial gang, but has not been arrested. But it's coming. Why is it coming? Because, well, the United States Attorney for the Southern District of New York said more charges would be filed in the coming days and weeks. So enjoy that coffee. Caroline Ellison, they're coming for you. Lawyer up. Don't say a word until you get a proffer agreement so it can't be used against you. Additionally, U.S. authorities are alleging that uh, old Sam Bankman Freed violated multiple campaign finance laws, including sending donations to politicians in the names of other persons, which is a no-no. Frankly, that's the least of his concerns. Now, Many of the charges that uh, Mr. Bankman Freed is accused of commits some of the f several charges that Mr. Bankman Freed is accused of committing are campaign finance violations. The indictment, which came down from the Southern District of New York, accused Ms. Bankman Freed and unnamed others of conspiring to defraud the United States in several ways. What ways could he have done that, you may ask, Scott? Well, one way was that Bankman Freed defrauded the U.S according to the indictment, by donating to candidates and political action committees using other people's names. The names used by Bankman Freed and others were not named in the indictment, but hopefully will be coming shortly. It's alleged that the defendant and others known and unknown would and did knowingly and willfully make contributions to candidates for federal office, joint fundraising committees, and independent expenditure committees 
in the name of other persons, the indictment notes. And according to the Federal Election Commission's website, contributions in the names of another are strictly prohibited. Reimbursing someone for a contribution or otherwise contributing in the name of another person can result in substantial civil penalties and jail time. Using these methods, the indictment alleges that Bankman freed and unnamed others donated more than $25,000 in total in a calendar year, violation of the campaign finance regulations. And the uh, former CEO of FTX was one of the Democrat Party's largest donors, $70 million, sending that to uh, various committees and politicians. $70 million. It's a lot of money. Now, in a recent interview, though, Mr. Bankman-Fried said he donated equally to the Republican Party using dark money uh, or not publicly disclosed methods. And uh, he says, all my Republican donations were dark uh, because reporters freak the F out if you donate to Republicans. Quote, the reporters are, they're all super liberal, and I didn't want to have that fight. Now, the Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington filed a complaint with the FEC last week regarding Bankman's Freed's use of dark money uh, to groups to hide his Republican donations. And guess what? Just prior to going on today, the big guy himself, Joe Biden, well, he hasn't made a decision whether the $5 million that he received from Bankman-Fried was going to go back, maybe to the people that had been defrauded. Yes, that's right. It's going to get beautiful, ladies and gentlemen. The bankruptcy is probably going to be able to claw back all that money that went to both the Republicans and the Democrats so it can go to the investors in the FTX exchange. Hmm. Isn't that going to be interesting? I would love to see a list of who got the money and how much and why have they not returned it? Why have they not returned it? Oh, and if they knew it was dark money, they should probably be prosecuted as well. Funny how this all turns out. Kind of like what Scott says, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. It's always about the money. Mm-hmm. And old Bankman Freed, he was trying to buy power and influence. And if you listen to this guy talk for like two seconds, you'd be like, I wouldn't trust this guy with a single nickel. And I've said this before, in these type of cases, there should be a defense. Not that I condone what Bankman Free did, but it should be called the greed defense. The people who lost money were just as greedy as the defendant in this case. And basically, nobody should get anything. I've been the victim of fraud. I've been defended lots of fraudsters over the years. So I think I know a little bit about where I'm coming from. Anyway, moving on, let's talk about the Idaho murders. Well, some internet sleuths are pointing to new footage from a police stop near the victim's Moscow off-campus home. Not Moscow, let's be clear. Just minutes before police said the uh, students were killed, Plain Co's officers made an unrelated stop in the area for three students suspected of underage drinking. And one of the officer's body cam captured the incident. And in the background of the video, several people can be seen moving quickly past police on Taylor Avenue, two houses down from the scene of the crime. So between the people with law enforcement and the people in the background of the body cam footage, that is about half a dozen people. The importance is they may have witnessed something, obviously, maybe unbeknownst to them. 
Now, detectives collected eight hours of surveillance video as well Tuesday morning from a gas station in Moscow, not Moscow, where a clerk saw a white sedan passing by at 3.45 a.m. on the night of the stabbing of the deaths of the four Idaho students. An overnight assistant manager stated that she was reviewing the tapes a little bit at a time over the past few days, looking for clues in her downtime on the graveyard shift. She said she was not working on the night of the murders. Well, apparently Monday night, she said she reached the three o'clock hour and spotted the car. She said she took a picture of the screen and sent it to an email address to the police where they're receiving tips. The car drove by really fast, according to the clerk, and it turned down a side street off of Highway 8. Now, as you recall, last week, police said they were really, really interested in speaking with the occupants of a white Hyundai Elantra who may have information regarding the slains regarding Madison Mogan, Kaylee Gonzalez, Ethan Chapin, and Zena Kernodal. Now, the store manager said that the officers identified themselves as state detectives and they took the whole shift's worth of video. Now, police have said that they believe anyone in the Elantra may have critical information to share in the case, and they would really like to speak with them. All right. We've talked about people wanting to do terrible things to other people. We've talked about fraudsters trying to take other people's money so they can live a lifestyle that they do not deserve. How about here's a little something for the Christmas spirit. Police said Tuesday that a Tennessee man has been charged with stealing roughly $200,000 from guess where? That's right, the church where he worked over a two-year period. Daniel Meadows had access to the funds at the Long Hollow Church in Hendersonville as part of his job. And according to the Tennessee Bureau of Investigations, they are following up on that and he has been arrested. Mr. Meadows worked as a campus operations specialist and executive assistant at the church for the last two years, and the church announced that he was fired during the agency's investigation into the reported theft. Special agents began investigating back in June of this past year after the church reported that a large sum of money had been stolen. The investigation determined that Mr. Meadows had access to the church funds as part of his job and that he stole $198,755. The irony of it is you would think if he really needed the money, Mr. Meadows, the church probably would have helped him out. Somehow I don't think he needed the $198,000. No indication as to what he spent it on, but let's face it, it was probably gambling, hookers, and blow. Let's just get for real. It's not like he was out helping buy Christmas gifts for needy children at Christmas, was he? Of course not. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day, keeping with our Christmas theme, please meet Richard Atchison. Mr. Atchison allegedly threw a Christmas tree at his wife during an argument that was sparked when she asked him to help make some dinner. How dare she? Anyway, Mr. Atchison lost his temper in the couple's uh, uh, home after his wife asked uh, for help and uh, put a spoon in the sink, accidentally splashing him with water. Well, Mr. Atchison packed his things and went outside to his vehicle. Only apparently getting to the vehicle, realizing that he in fact had been drinking, went back inside and told his wife, no, you need to leave. When the wife tried to go, deputies say that Mr. Atchison shoved her, picked up the Christmas tree that was in the corner of the room, threw it at her, hitting her, and then he apparently blocked 
the front door to prevent her from leaving. I've seen lots of these kind of cases, ladies and gentlemen. Normally, it turns out stupid fight, husband gets physical, wife says, oh, nothing happened. If I was a better wife, I wouldn't keep walking into the cupboard, blah, blah, blah. We've heard it all before, right? You know, of course, in the defense of the husband, the dinner was cold. Just kidding. That was a joke. Don't, don't say I'm condoning violence on anybody. I'm not. It was a joke. No one should ever hit a woman, ever. Let's just be very clear on that. All right, that's what you get when you mix a little alcohol and being asked to help around the kitchen. And don't splash them with water either with a spoon. Look where it all went, Mrs. Atchison. <sighs> Merry Christmas. All right, thanks for watching. Hope you enjoyed the show. My apologies once again for missing it yesterday. Sometimes things just come up in the practice of law that make it so that things just don't quite work out. I'll make it up to you, I promise. Have a wonderful day, not just a great day, and we'll see you next time on Crime Talk.